0: Welcome to the Weekly Run Podcast. I'm Andy Larson. This is Eric Walden. We are the Utah Jazz writers for the Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, We're coming at you, what is it, two weeks and a day until the, the NBA draft on June 20th. Today's June 5th. Uh, and so we we want to start talking about that a little bit. Um, we want to start talking about some of the news uh, that's happened in, in Jazzland in recent days, or really, I guess, around the league news, you would say, because... Um, there, there are things that affect what the Jazz might do in free agency. And of course, we've got all these draft workouts and, uh, training and mini camps and those kind of things that we've had, that we've been at the Jazz's Zions Bank Basketball Campus facility at. So we want to kind of share what we've learned from those things and, uh, talk about what the Jazz might do over the next, well, not only just two weeks, but three to four weeks as we get into free agency a little bit. Sound good, Eric? Yeah, sounds good. Should we do draft or like free agency big kind of news first?
1: Ooh, it's making me decide Just something hard it off doesn't the matter bat at all. Uh, let's do let's let's go sequentially. Let's go draft.
0: All right, draft. Love it. All right. So the the NBA draft, like you said, two weeks from now. Um, we've had uh, I believe it's now 55, 54 prospects in something like that. Um, Many of them are not good basketball players, actually. They pretend that they're good basketball players, and they may even be good college basketball players, but they're not very good NBA players, and that much is clear. But there are probably uh, six to ten players that the Jazz have brought in that are conceivably draftable at 23. um, And then, honestly, some of those guys may even slip to 53. I mean, we're kind of talking about a pretty – uh, wide range for some of these guys that the Jazz are bringing in. It, and especially for two weeks out, we don't know if some of these guys are going to go late 20s or late 50s. Like That's that's kind of unique for for a draft this late in the process. Yeah, it
1: was funny talking to Walt Perrin, the Jazz VP of player personnel, a few weeks ago during one of these workouts. And he made the comment that with some of these guys, it's going to be a thing where it's like very much in the eye of the beholder kind of a thing. I mean, it seems bizarre that, you know... A guy they're considering at 23 could still theoretically be available at 53, but that really seems to be the case with a lot of the prospects in this draft. Where you know it's just some guy a team is going to like better than you know some other than some other team will. And so yeah, yeah, it'll be it'll be fascinating to see how that kind of unfolds because yeah, you're seeing some of these guys just looking at the various mock drafts. You know, you're seeing in some of them you're seeing uh, you know a guy who like an Eric Pascal. For instance, mocked to the Jazz at twenty three in a in a totally different draft. You see him mocked there at fifty three. Right. So yeah, it's kind of a uh, it's kind of intriguing that way. It
0: really really does depend. Um, let's go kind of chronologically through at least what I consider the possibilities for the Jazz uh, that among the guys that they've brought in so far, knowing that they are going to bring in more of these players in over the next couple of weeks. But w- again, we want to talk about the players that we know and that we've talked to. So. Uh, Grant Williams, the forward from Tennessee. He's a six foot seven and a half guy. Uh, basically, his idea is that he's a a glue guy. He's a he's a terrific defender. Showed that at Tennessee. Um, you know, think of him. He's he's got a very big wide body. Uh, moves pretty well. Played mostly in as a big in Tennessee, and will have to kind of move to the perimeter in the NBA. Kind of like a the comparison there is is like a PJ Tucker. Um, but is very good at, at screening, at passing, um, and and defending. So he's kind of a glue guy. You talked to Grant, I believe you did. Was he he was one of the ones that was available to talk to? Yeah, right?
1: spoke to Grant. Um, was...
0: What was Grant like, and what do you think of him?
1: He was a little uh, he was a little more quiet than I expected. Okay. Um, when his teammate Admiral Schofield came in, uh, Admiral was like by far the more kind of outgoing and outspoken of the two. Um, as i recall grant williams a little a little on the quieter side um and yeah as you mentioned he's he's totally got that body type where he was a he was a post player at tennessee where he was the two time sec player of the year and yeah probably going to have to be a little bit more of a perimeter guy in the nba to make it work just because even in this era of you know small ball four, like i guess like he can he can play a little bit there in those situations but yeah, he's definitely going to have to get more adept at guarding perimeter guys.
0: Yeah, and, and I mean... Um,
1: and and adding a three-point shot. That was the big thing right. that Walt brought up about him, is that uh, in his opinion, uh, he'd been working very hard on kind of extending his range since the collegiate season had ended.
0: Uh, only took 46 threes during his college season, made 32.6% of them. Clearly, if he's going to be that four-man, which I think is... Probably his, basically again, think P.J. Tucker. Yeah. Um. He's going to be able to. He's going to need to take and make those, uh, those three point shots, which he was reluctant to do so in in college. Um. Sounds good. That's our Grant Williams. We got. We're going to yeah. spend like a couple minutes on each of these guys. Yeah. Uh. Naz Reed. Let's let's talk about him. He came in actually for the same workout. Another big man. Um. I this one may be actually a big in the NBA too. Six foot nine and a half. Um, Played at LSU, not a huge role player at LSU, um, but he's kind of a a modern big in his ability to to shoot Um, and shot 33% from three on 84 attempts, so over a two per game. Um, Has a very nice wingspan, seven foot three and a half inches. Standing reach of nine foot one. Um, Maybe not the fastest guy out there, and so that's kind of the concern with him. Uh, But he, because of his length, he can kind of get and get to the rim and and finish a little bit. Um, And and is is a good rebounder as well.
1: Yeah, he's definitely a bigger guy. And um, I recall from speaking to Walt that day, Walt was a little more. Uh, up on Naz Reid he he did mention the outside shooting that um, he had played in a system where you know totally the opposite of Grant Williams well not totally the opposite but whereas Grant Williams was definitely reluctant to take to, to shoot three pointers as you mentioned Naz took over two a game and so while like that about him said that the range was already pretty well developed you know with the caveat that of course you know NBA range is a couple feet further than than college range is but Thought that that would be a fairly easy transition for him to make, but yeah, as you mentioned, definitely a bigger guy. He's six ten, six nine and a half, whatever, and easily over two fifty. He's he's a big, muscular dude. He can he can defend in the post, I would think. Um, yeah, kind of reminded me of uh, you know, physically reminded me a bit of Derek Favors, um, but obviously is a little more adept at shooting the three pointer. Apparently, it sounds like.
0: Uh, did you guys talk to Nick Claxton or Shamari Pons?
1: We did not get to talk to either. of
0: those Okay, guys, both of those guys are kind of mocked right now in the second round. I think it would be surprising for the Jazz to take either of those guys. Um, Claxton, a big man from Georgia, um, kind of a, a three and D big, if you will. Like he can he can potentially shoot. He took some sh- he took some threes. Let's put it that way. In Georgia, made them at Derek Favors' rates at twenty eight percent. From three, but is tall, lanky, six foot, six foot eleven, seven foot two wingspan. Good rebounder, kind of skinny still. Uh, Shemery Pons is is a guy that if you've watched college basketball for a while, you know he's been a a very good scorer at at St. John's. Uh, Score first point guard is is very, um, how do I put it? He's he's very he's good at he's. Finding his spot and getting there. Um, Took 184 threes last year. Made him at 35%. So, like, pretty good Um, number of attempts there. Was a huge part, obviously, of what St. John's did offensively. And then uh, was good at finishing around the rim as well. So, um, again, we didn't talk to him at this workout. But... Um, are maybe possibilities in the second round.
1: Yeah, we asked we did ask Walt about uh Nick because he okay. was part of uh that was that was the day when they had two six man groups and in the first one they Nick had Nick was part of the first one. Yeah, he was part of the first one. He was there were four big men and two guards in that group. So Nick Claxton was in there with uh Fiondu Cabangeli from Florida State, Naz Reed and Grant Williams. And the other three big men all had like a little bit more kind of a high-end profile, and so we asked him, you know, how did how did Claxton fare in this, and he... What was the term he used? He said he was a young colt, like all full of energy. Colt?
0: Like a horse?
1: Yes, like a horse. Oh, okay. Yeah, saying that he was basically just, like, kind of wild and crazy energy out there, so... Um, but yeah, I, I did get the impression that he was viewed far more as a second-round prospect. I know a few places have kind of projected him somewhere in the first round, but... Um, NBA draft.net has him going 19th to the Spurs. That's, right now, that's a lie. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that will happen.
0: Um, I mean, I, I respect NBA Draft Net because they, you know, it's hard to do stuff, but um, yeah, they their mock drafts are not always most accurate. Um, Carson Edwards was also in that day's workout. I believe he was the second in uh, in that second uh, part of the workout. He's uh, maybe one of the best scorers. In college basketball last year, um, 24 points per game was, was really good. Um, did you guys get to talk to Carson Edwards? I, I keep asking these questions, by the way, because I was sick this day. So, like, I didn't go to this <laughs> <laughs> this workout, which makes me sad. Anyway,
1: go Let, let me take a look. Let me he's a, he's a Purdue point guard. Um, Purdue point guard, yep.
0: Can shoot really well. Again, 35% from three on 135 per, uh, attempts um is just one of those guys who uh maybe a little bit undersized is only six feet tall um but really was a big part of purdue being a a decent team this year
1: yeah we did not get to talk to carson edwards that uh, these workouts took place on may 26th so it was before before it was right before the deadline for underclassmen to withdraw so the jazz didn't make him available uh asking walt about him was impressed by the shooting Um, It's kind of funny. The number of times we've heard Walt Perrin say about a prospect who's come in, he probably didn't shoot the ball as well as he would have liked. Mm. Um, Carson Edwards was another one of those guys, but he did say, we've seen him shoot enough in games that we know he can shoot. Like, that's not a concern. We're not like, oh, he came in to work out for the Jazz, and the shooting wasn't as good, so now he's, you know, off the board or whatever. No, he was was impressed with uh, Carson Edwards' shooting. He said that most of what he wanted to see from him was his passing and playmaking ability uh, while giving the caveat that in a three-on-three type situation, you know, it's a little bit harder to to get a feel for how good a player is at that because, you know, if you're handling the ball, you've got two options to pass to. Uh, there's not as many read-and-react situations as if you were playing five-on-five. That said, he said, uh, P- Walt said that they came away with a little bit better of a feel for his ability to kind of handle the ball and make plays for other people, said that they came away feeling pretty good about that.
0: Kz uh, Akpala from Stanford is the next guy. Also in that day's workout, 20 years old, six nine and a half, seven foot one wingspan, uh, scored 16.9 points a game for Stanford. Uh, took two and a half threes a game, made 37 and a half percent of them. Uh, he's, he's a kind of a, a, definitely a wing player in the NBA. question is whether he's a three or a four. I think that it's reasonable. I think he's probably a four. Um, but he's, he's really long. He, like you said, he's tall. Um, decent enough passer. Uh, not like a super efficient scorer by any means. You know, a, a 51 effective field goal percentage, which is good, not great. Um, and, but he was able to catch and shoot pretty well um as as a sophomore at at Stanford um what do you think about him
1: yeah so that one was interesting because just looking at the raw numbers he made a huge leap in terms of three-point efficiency between his freshman and sophomore seasons so I made it a point to ask Walt about that you know what did you see shooting from him he was another guy that said he didn't shoot it particularly well but what was different about this was Walt still had concerns about his stroke he said Mm. um He got the impression that KZ was not all that confident in it and that it definitely needed work in terms of consistency. He said at this point, KZ is definitely much more of a slasher and penetrator than a consistent shooter. Uh, He didn't make this comparison specifically, but just from the way he described him, what it reminded me of was like a slightly bigger uh, Alec Burks type player.
0: Huh. Um, he's certainly bigger and longer than A.B. is. Yeah. Um, so that's that's an interesting comparison. The, I, I kind of agree with Walt on the shooting, partially because of his free throw shot. You know, I think that's, that is, if you, if you look at how you can project three-point shooting in the NBA, sure, you can look at collegiate three-point shooting, but you can also look at their free throw shooting to kind of learn about their form a little bit. He was only a 67% free throw shooter in uh, for Stanford as a sophomore this year. Um, so again, kind of showing that he maybe doesn't have that stroke. And while 37.5% is really good, only 25 a, a game for a guy who was their leading scorer last year um, is, you know, is... Shows that he's taking certain shots and not taking others. So, right. Yeah. Um, I, I think that is a worry. I think that's you know, but you're also not getting a perfect prospect at, at 23 and and getting a 21 or 20 year old guy um, who has that body um, is is encouraging. You know, is is, is an interesting idea. Literally.
1: Yeah, and certainly the fact that he did make that kind of progress from year one to year two shows that you know perhaps that's something that he's putting effort into uh, you know improving and that you know he recognizes he's not a finished product and that you know he, that'll be something that he continues to improve upon as the years go by
0: uh also in the on that day was Dylan Windler the uh, Belmont sweet shooting forward he can shoot the ball really really well shot 43 percent from three on 233 attempts so like a lot per game um, was. Let me, I'm so good at math. A lot <laughs> per game. Yeah. Uh, six, seven and a half, six, ten guy. It's just kind of whether or not he has the athleticism to stick and defend in the NBA. Um, but he actually was a pretty good defender at Belmont at that level. You know, it's it's not clear whether or not um, he'll be able to do it at that next level. But. Um, it's it's he is kind of maybe he may be the best shooting player in this draft uh with his ability to shoot the ball he is 22.7 years old so he is old you know he was a senior at belmont this year but he you know best shooter in the draft is like a a real possibility for him um and he's and obviously nba teams like shooting right now
1: yeah um Windler was one of the guys who we got to talk to from that session.
0: Because he was a, he's a senior, because so therefore senior. he couldn't go back. Yeah,
1: yeah. and um, the thing that I recall for him, uh, naturally he was another guy who said he didn't shoot it as well as he would have liked. But um, both he and Walt said that that was not a huge deal. Mostly he said he didn't even care about the shooting because he felt like he'd done enough shooting that again, sure. teams had a good idea. What he wanted to do was show that he was a capable defender, that he's you know able to stick in front of perimeter guys, that he's able to kind of handle the pounding and the banging and all of that. And he came away feeling really good about it. Uh, Walt also did really- Did Walt agree? <laughs> Walt, Walt did agree, yeah. Okay. Walt said that they got a good look at that, that that was something that they wanted to uh, check out as well and came away feeling uh, like he probably can handle The NBA game physically.
0: If that's the case, he's a really good prospect because if you if you find a guy who can defend and shoot, like even if that guy is not a creator off the dribble or any, you know, if that guy's even just lesser Kyle Korver, that's still a pretty good player. Um, That's still a guy who can contribute at the next level and maybe a guy you 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 would want to take at twenty three. Yeah,
1: and the the other interesting thing about him is um, it was brought up his performance in the NCAA tournament. Belmont played yeah. I want to say Maryland in the first round that Blue, year. That's
0: right. Let me find out. Um
1: yeah, Maryland was a was a 5 or 6 seed and I think Windler went off for like 35 points in that game and really just kind of you know, obviously throughout the course of the year that's when he was he was steadily kind of rising up draft boards and at that point he really kind of
0: Made a name for himself. Belmont was the 11 seed this year. They played one of those dumb four play-in games, uh, beat Temple 81 to 70, and then you're right, played Maryland, lost 79-77, uh, but that was a, a close game, and uh, and Windler played well in in both of those contests against kind of higher league opposition. So that's that was a very good sign for his. Uh, draft potential.
1: Yeah, and just to throw some quick numbers out there, uh, his senior season he averaged twenty-one point three points, ten point eight rebounds. So you know he can he's got a nose for the ball, obviously, and he hit forty-two point nine percent of his three pointers, taking seven point one per game. So clearly getting a lot of attempts and being very efficient at them.
0: Look at you doing the math on how many attempts per game he did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's <laughs> let's do. Uh, so I think that's all from those workouts. Uh, how about Ty Jerome, uh, the kid from from Maryland, uh, Virginia, Virginia? Excuse me, M- Maryland and Virginia are the same. They're practically the same. Washington D.C. Yeah. Um, my fault. You put Maryland on my brain. Uh, he's the. He's the, really a point guard, but he's a tall one, six five. He's a playmaker. Um, uh, he's got negative wingspan, which is to say that he has uh, a smaller wingspan than his height. His wingspan's only six four. so that's a real worry about his his NBA future. Usually, you see guys in the NBA have positive wingspan, have much longer wingspans than than their height. Famously, Donovan Mitchell has like a crazy wingspan. Uh, you know, his six, nine, six, ten wingspan even though he's only like six, two, six three. But Ty Jerome can shoot the ball really well. F- shot forty percent on 203s last year. Um, Scoring 13.6 points a game for what was obviously a very, very good uh, Virginia team. Um, uh, Oh, and it's a good passer, too, I should point that
1: out. Yeah, we asked Walt, we asked both Ty Jerome and we asked Walt, you know, is he going to be a combo guard in the NBA, kind of a thing? Uh, Ty said he was planning on that. He figured that teams would want him to handle the ball and play off the ball as well. Walt said, from his perspective, he views Jerome far more as a point guard, uh, like really kind of praised his passing ability more than anyone uh, else the Jazz had brought in uh, this offseason. Um, what did he say? He said, he said his basketball IQ is really high. His passing ability is extremely high also. Um, the other thing, you mentioned he shot 40% on threes as a, as a uh, junior, yeah. he's he's come out as a junior he shot right about 40 percent uh in both his freshman and sophomore seasons as well so he's got a history of being efficient from outside um yeah so definitely kind of looked at as a point guard prospect He he thinks he can play off the ball as well um but yeah I, the the jazz definitely view him as a one rather than a two
0: interesting um, and I, I think that's probably the right call again, given how good of a passer he is. and quite frankly, just kind of his, his size and it, it's gonna be hard for him to s- defend two guards with that, like we said, that negative wingspan. But I think you know, six four, s- or six five height 64 wingspan is not terrible for a point guard in the NBA. And if you've got the passing and uh, shooting to be able to do it, that's that's not bad. Um, let's do Admiral Schofield next, also from Tennessee. Uh, and he is the comp is is basically like jay crowder is is uh is one of those incredibly strong dudes <laughs> uh who can be tough and uh, defend well and those kind of things without uh, and hopefully on offense be able to kind of knock down those open shots now uh, for Tennessee this year he was a senior, he's 22 years old 6'5", six five, six nine and a half wingspan uh, he shot 42% from 3 on over 5 attempts per game so that gives you an idea of what he's capable of from the 3 point line um, I-, I like Admiral Schofield I you know it's just kind of whether or not he's um Going to have the, I guess, a quickness to stay defensively with some of the guys he'll be able to, he'll have to defend in the NBA to make it.
1: Yeah, honestly, from the few Tennessee games that I watched during the season, I actually kind of liked Admiral's game a little bit better than I liked uh, Grant Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got he he's another one of these unique body guys. He's he's six five, six six, and he weighs two forty plus. He's definitely well built. You know, we, we were looking at him and. I posted the video and got so many people, you know, commenting, dang, look at that guy. You know, he's he's definitely well put together. And then Ooh. to ha- have that shooting touch on top of it. Um, and that's something that he worked at. His freshman season, uh, he shot just, 30, just over 30%. And I believe that uh, he built up his three-point percentage each passing season up to 41.8 as a senior. Um, he was a really... Fun guy to interview. That yeah. that his interview was by far the most interesting of all the guys who we've talked to during this process. I thought Um he really kind of when you asked Walt about the Jay Crowder comparison, Walt was kind of eh, I don't know. like I can see where you're coming from, but I don't know. You asked you asked Admiral about it, and he just like lit up like it was the greatest thing ever. He's like, yeah, I want to be a junkyard dog was the <laughs> was the phrase he used. It it just it was his enthusiasm for like going out there and doing the dirty work about, you know, espousing an interest in guarding multiple positions and no, recognizing that, you know, he's probably not going to be a star player in the NBA, that he's going to be out there as kind of an augmenting talent, you know, trying to, that that he'll be dependent upon to hit the open corner threes when Donovan drives the lane. Right. It um, really stood out, his, his energy and passion for, like, recognizing his place in the game were were really kind of fun to see,
0: and I like that so much more than like the the Kelly Oubre, like hey, I'm gonna be James Harden and Kawhi Leonard all wrapped into one. Like, eh, probably not Kelly Oubre, but um, I like guys who know what they are and who know what they can be. Um, so the concern on on Admiral is that he's he's shorter than Jay Crowder, right? Like he's yep. only six five. So like whether yep. or not he can hang is is a real question. Um, he's uh, I think again, like Jay Crowder, is a good but not great rebounder at the college level. Whether or not he can hang in the NBA as a rebounder is a as a question. If you're going to be playing at the four, what does he bring there? Um, but I, I I like him. You know, as as a again as a guy at 23, I think you could do worse um, than getting a a smaller Jay Crowder type. And I know Jay Crowder is like kind of not that good, but as <laughs> some you know a, a playable guy who's gonna bring you toughness and defense and some modicum of, of, of three-point shooting, I think is, is actually a, a really good asset in the NBA. Yeah. Um, okay, and then the uh, last workout we did was the Eric Pascal workout. That was this Tuesday. I guess that was yesterday. Um, and, and we talked to two guys, uh, Terrence Davis and Eric Pascal. Uh, let's talk Terrence Davis first, is the, the guard from Ole Miss. Uh, is 6'4", 205 pounds, if you care about that. He's older. He's 22 years old. He is a senior from Ole Miss, scored 15 points a game. Um, The idea, though, is because he does move so well and because he does have that quick first step, um, he may be an effective, uh, somewhat effective bench scorer and then a a good defender at the NBA level.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. That's that's a pretty accurate description of of the assessment of him. He's started to kind of, he, he's been a little bit of a of a late riser up draft boards for sure. Um, as teams have started kind of, he didn't he didn't put up any kind of huge numbers. But yeah, there's teams who he's working out for are you, seeing these qualities that he can. Yeah, the this, the the quick first step, the defensive capability, I think, is what's really kind of. Uh, Precipitating his 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 late rise.
0: Yeah, he was a guy who uh, went to Portsmouth, then went to the the NBA's G League Combine, which is something they do. And then what the NBA did is invited a few guys uh, that executives voted on to yeah. invite to the actual NBA Combine, and uh, Davis was one of them.
1: Yeah. So yeah, he's kind of intriguing. He doesn't. He definitely doesn't have like kind of the name recognition that a lot of these other guys who we've seen come in do. He doesn't have like the the you know. I'm, I'm, I'm failing at the proper... Uh, <laughs> my words are not me, working right now. Let me ask you... Um,
0: go ahead. I, no. If, like, if you, you can think of the word cool.
1: No, no go okay, ahead. Okay, let me ask yeah. you
0: what uh, what did he say, what did you think talking to him, and what did Walt say about him?
1: You know, I'm trying to remember what... He Walt, was... That, that's right. the funniest thing, because I, that was yesterday, and that's the one I That remember, was yesterday.
0: I mean, you know. he was... He was uh, I was there, too. He was very average talking to him. Yeah. Um, I did not get like a great sense of his personality because I don't know if he was nervous or quiet or whatever, that's uh, who he was. I think he uh, kind of explained why he had been a late riser um, and basically said, well, because I work hard and every NBA player says they work hard. Yeah, he, he um, was very
1: Royce O'Neal-like in kind of in our, <laughs> in our interactions.
0: Yeah, and then uh, not so much in how he plays to be clear, but in his right, personality. Yeah. And then Walt, uh, tried, yeah, I, I did, Walt was asked about him. Now I'm trying to remember what he said. I don't know. It, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Um,
1: sorry, Terrence Davis. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if they end up drafting Terrence Davis, uh, we will look back. We'll,
1: we'll pay a little more attention.
0: Um, Eric it, Pascal, though. Eric Pascal uh, is uh, Pascal, whatever you want to say. Yeah, Pascal,
1: uh, Pascal. I've got Pascal Siakam on my mind. Yeah,
0: that's fair. Yeah. Um, what, if you, what if you call him Pascal, like Eric? Anyway, whatever. Uh, Eric is... First of all, is like Donovan Mitchell's like long-term like best friend. Like, is they grew up together. They grew up in the same neighborhood. Then they started playing basketball together when they were eight uh, for this AAU team that did really well. And then they moved on to this other AAU team called the City in New York that won the national championship. Uh, and Ty,
1: Ty Jerome was on that AAU team as well. Who we was mentioned. he on
0: the first one or the second one? Uh,
1: I, well, he's uh, from New York, so I thought maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, he he good played question. AAU ball with Donovan
0: as yes. well. Yes, um, and Pascal, um, like there are tons of like literally tons of internet pictures and videos of Pascal and uh, Pascal and uh, Donovan getting along like as as early as like ten years old. So BFFs. like <laughs> that that they are. That, obviously, close is, is cool. Um, obviously, they still talk. He is a, how he fits in the NBA is, is gonna be really interesting. Um, he is, the the very nice comparison that, that the ringer makes is young Paul Millsap, and you kinda see why. Like, he's kinda got that big, kinda softy he's got, he's frame. He's got those wide
1: like, shoulders.
0: Exactly, like Paul Millsap does. Um, he's kind of got the all-around game that Paul Paul Millsap brought to the NBA. Like, can shoot a little bit from three, shot 35% this year, can kind of score inside, can kind of rebound, can kind of defend, like, is, is a very smart defender like Paul Millsap is. Um... They're very different college players, actually. Paul Millsap was one of the best rebounders. Yeah, in Yeah, Paul Millsap history. led
1: the led the country in rebounding like three straight years yeah. or something like that. And Pascal um, is like not him
0: that. and Kenneth Reed at the top of the uh, NCAA rebounding all time stuff. Like, yeah, and Pascal's, yeah, not that good of a rebounder. But um, he, you, you kind of think of current NBA Paul Millsap, who has turned out to be like an an average rebounder. And, uh, yeah, you kind of imagine what Pascal could be. Now, the truth is that those jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none types sometimes uh, have problems bringing that to the league, right? Like, if you are a, if you're 75% good at everything at the college basketball, you may only be 50% good at everything <laughs> in the NBA, and then it's like, okay, well, why are you on the floor? Um, but if Pascal, who's already 22 and a half years old, can... Uh, Kind of bring what he brought to Villanova to the NBA, then he will be a, a good four-man.
1: Yeah, the uh, the Paul Millsap comparison is interesting because it's definitely in my eyes like more late career Paul Millsap than early career Paul Millsap, just in terms of how their games compare. Because the rebounding level is not there, but uh, we saw Paul develop into a pretty decent for a 4 three yeah, I mean, he was an four, three-point shooter later on. And I would say Pascal's already got that component to his game. Uh, Walt did rave that Pascal's he's got NBA range already. So,
0: and that's 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 a good thing. Yeah. Um, again, the question is how much of it can he can he translate against bigger and better athletes? I worry. I do worry about these kind of players, but I think uh, again at twenty three. Is a reasonable fit. There are some mock drafts that have him in the second half of the second round, and uh, then it's especially a good fit. Um, I, I'm, I like him. I, I don't know, I don't know what his upside potential is. And again, he's a he's an older prospect, but um, maybe that was that was a great Hubie
1: Brownism on your part, by the way. What upside potential? I don't oh. know what his upside potential is. I love I love Hubie. That was a compliment, yeah, by the way. Yeah,
0: thank you. Hubie's I have um, me and <laughs> Hubie are are. Know you're, the same about basketball?
1: Practically the same in every way. Yep.
0: That's our that's our NBA draft. What what do we do that for? Like twenty minutes, twenty something like that. Uh,
1: I I I want to say been, probably closer to thirty. Have you been? Have Thirty. Yeah.
0: Wow. All right. So then we got to do everything else pretty quick.
1: Yeah. Let's let's run through it.
0: Um, we're not going to talk about the NBA finals. You can get NBA finals coverage better and elsewhere and for stuff that doesn't matter to the Jazz. Uh, so the free agent talk right now yep. is. On uh, D'Angelo Russell, this is according to Shams Charania. Uh, there's a possibility that he leaves Brooklyn. In in other words, if Brooklyn uh, is able to sign Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant or Jimmy Butler or some of these players that are you know All NBA All Star kind of players, yep. um, they may be uh, they may be forced to lose D'Angelo Russell to whatever max restricted offer that some team gives him. And one of those teams that is interested in him is, again, according to Shams, uh, the Utah Jazz. Now, again, a lot of things have to go in the kind of go right for the Jazz to to be able to make a bid for D'Lo. Um, they the Nets can create up to two max cap spots, and they would want to use. They would have to use both of those max cap max slots on. Someone on better players than DeAngelo Russell, who you remember was an All Star last year. Um, but if they do, then I do think that like he makes sense as a, as a fit with the Jazz. Obviously, him and Donovan are very close. Um, the Jazz clearly need a point guard. He fits with the timeline of the Jazz being only 23 years old, I believe. Uh, and while he's not and if he's not a crazy efficient player right away, um, he is a, a 20 point a game scorer would put. Tremendous pressure off of Donovan Mitchell. Like Donovan, struggled with his efficiency in the playoffs. Um, But, again, just like from a a talent point of view, getting D'Lo at the young player max um, makes a lot of sense if you can pull it off.
1: Yeah. Tell me if if these numbers sound familiar to you. 21.1 points per game, 3.9 rebounds per game, 43.4 field goal percentage, 36.9 three-point percentage. Sounds pretty close to Donovan Mitchell, right? Those are Donovan Mitchell. Those those were D'Angelo Russell's stats last year. He he plays the point guard pretty specifically, and so he did average 7.0 assists per game. His assists have gone up every year he's been in the league. Um,
0: and I liked last year that his assists went up and his turnover numbers uh, stayed the same. He was, uh, I think, 3.1 turnovers yeah,
1: 3.1 game. Yeah, 3.1 turnovers a game each of the last two years, and he went from 5.2 assists per game to 7.0 assists That's per good. game. That's good.
0: Like, he really did develop last year. I think he does need to develop. Like, the, the fear is you sign D'Angelo Russell and put him next to Donovan Mitchell, and you just have two chuckers, right? Like, you yep. have two inefficient players that kind of put a ceiling on what your offensive uh, efficiency can be. But... So those guys are so young; they're 22, 23 years old. That you can imagine them getting better, <laughs> like, and you probably should imagine them getting better. And given the the rate of uh, improvement in Delo's career last year, and what we know about Donovan Mitchell as a hard worker, I think it's fair to expect that improvement.
1: Yeah, if you're if if what you're remembering about Deloading is uh, he was the guy who outed Nick Young's infidelity on the Lakers on social media and got traded for it. It's hilarious. I mean. In retrospect, it was so silly for Magic Johnson to trade him and say, oh, well, and then afterwards to justify it by saying, yeah, well, you know, we had the immature D'Angelo Russell, and now he's matured. It's like, imagine that. A guy who comes into the league as an 18 or 19-year-old is, like, immature at the time and might have the potential to, like, solve some of those issues. And we're seeing this both personality – well, maybe not personality-wise given his uh, off-season – happening. Right. But so in in terms of a player, in terms of his on-court play, his game is definitely starting to mature.
0: If you miss that, he did try to bring weed in through an Ari- a fake Arizona can uh, through security at at, a, at an airport um yeah. and was was caught for it. So, you know, um, yeah, a
1: little a little stupid.
0: Yeah, first of all, don't hide your weed in uh, like TSA is already looking at big drink cans, right? If it's more than three ounces, they're looking at it. So that seems like a really dumb place to put your weed.
1: Yeah. That was. So that's discouraging. That was not very well thought through. I
0: would also say his decision making on the court has sometimes also been questionable. (laughs) Like he is not always, he does not always make the right play. Yeah. But. He's he's not a finished
1: product by any means, but that's the thing. He still is young enough and has shown the propensity for improvement that you have some hope that that trend can continue.
0: And quite honestly, like, I'm not sure you're gonna do better as a point guard, right? Like, to, to get a point guard in, in yeah. the next even two years. You know, like Mike is a better player right now, obviously, yeah. um, but Delo is much younger, you're gonna get him for much cheaper, you're gonna get him for longer, I think it makes some sense. Um, if, again, the the dominoes have to fall really, really well for the Jazz for it to be an option, but if it does, and they have to renounce him in order to, to sign some other guys, then I think the Jazz are real players to get him. Uh, I, I would describe that as, as mutual interest. Um,
1: yeah, his relationship with Donovan is definitely kind of an yeah. X factor in that situation. Yes.
0: Uh, speaking of mutual interest, Tobias Harris and the Utah Jazz, similar kind of story, um, If it, whether it... Does sound like Tobias Harris may be more likely to leave Philly than than D'Lo is with Brooklyn. Uh, I I don't think that he was 100 percent happy with all the happenings there with not only Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid but Brett Brown and, and not only and again it wasn't just his role is all the uh, personal factors on that drama. team. Yeah. Yeah. And so you know I, I think whether or not Jimmy Butler stays I think if Jimmy Butler stays Tobias Harris is actually pretty unlikely to stay. If he leaves, I think he may be more likely to, to stay. Um, but if he does leave, Tobias Harris, uh, apparently his number one choice is, is Brooklyn. That's something I've heard, Not as, first of all, has been reported. Second of all, that's something I've heard separately as well. Um, and then I think it's pretty clear from everything I hear that actually Utah is his number two pick. So um, if, again, we're talking about him leaving Philadelphia, then, if Brooklyn is able to sign a Kyrie Irving and uh, you know whether that's a Jimmy Butler or a Kevin Durant or a Kawhi Leonard or you know some of or, the top tier or they tier decide guys, to pair Kyrie with
1: D'Angelo for whatever reason, right. which I've heard they're which they could do, they might be inclined to do.
0: But you know, then you have two good guards, So, that, like that's that's fine. Yep. Um, then. Tobias Harris might say, "Okay, I can not I don't want to be in Philly anymore. Uh, Brooklyn's no longer an option cuz they sign better players. I'm going to sign a max deal with the Utah Jazz." And yeah. that honestly has a pretty good chance of happening. Like I don't think it's a above 50% chance, but I think it is like a 25 to 45% chance. Let's put it that way, um that the Jazz do end up with Tobias Harris after the soft season.
1: Yeah, I mean, it really is interesting because as you mentioned, you know, the the role is one thing. He went from being the top offensive option on the Clippers to third or fourth on the, on the Sixers, depending on how you view Ben Simmons, uh, probably definitely getting the ball fourth among them, just because right. Simmons handles it so much as the point guard. Um, so there's that component. And then that team just has such strong personalities to it and not necessarily in a good way. I mean, everywhere Jimmy Butler is gone, you know, there's been, when he left Chicago, you, you heard all these negative stories come out about how, his treatment of his teammates in Chicago. He went to Minnesota, the big, uh, you know, being reunited with uh, what's the coach's name? Um,
0: Sorry, I wasn't listening. I was looking the, up the, the thing. The, the former Bulls coach who became the. Oh, Tibbs? T- you yes, Tibbs?
1: Tom Thibodeau. The big reunion between Jimmy Butler and Thibodeau. Like, Thibodeau brought him in to be the veteran presence who could lead the Timberwolves out of the figurative wilderness and into the playoffs. And then you know, less than in, you know, a short amount of time later, like epic disaster there, and you know he's calling out teammates in practice and not in you know Wait, Jimmy ways. Butler's not fun. Yeah, so yeah, if Jimmy Butler stays in Philadelphia, which we've heard that they intend to offer him the max to return, um, that that really kind of you know if if that is what if that is what Tobias Harris found off putting about. Philadelphia, you'd have to think the Jazz have an excellent shot, because everything we know about the locker room is that they're the opposite of that.
0: But I, I, I do think that it's more likely that Jimmy Butler leaves Philly than stays in Philly, for what it's worth. Yeah. Like I, I think he, it's more likely he goes to L.A. Um, in either the Lakers or the Clippers configuration of that uh, than stays in Philadelphia, and so then maybe Tobias Harris stays with Philly, and then uh, everything we've talked about is, mute, uh, is, is moot, sorry, not mute, but no. Um... You know, hey, like I said, yeah, 25 to 45% so, chance.
1: So many domino- dominoes have to fall correctly for these things to happen.
0: <laughs> the best part about putting a, a percent odds on something that happens is that it will only happen once, right? Like, <laughs> there aren't a gazillion, like, Tobias Harris free agencies that we can test my theory against. Yeah. And so, uh, if whether or not he comes or goes, I can be like, well, I was one of the first people to say that it was a realistic possibility. And if he doesn't, I'm like, well, look, I said it was only a 25 to 45% chance. Like, what do you want? That's not greater than 50%. Way to head
1: your bets there. Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. But, 25 to 45% chance, let's say 35% chance, Ooh. that Tobias Harris is a Utah Jazz man next year. Uh, one last thing, the Jazz are hosting currently in the Zions Bank Basketball Campus right this second. A mini-camp, a free agent mini-camp with all of the weirdest players you can imagine that do not have basketball jobs right now. They want to play in the NBA. They want to play for the Utah Jazz in these free agent mini-camps. There are some fun names. This is the most fun roster of the Jazz minicamp that I've had since I covered the team, which has been since 2013. Um, or at least that's how long I've been getting PR emails from. I, I did cover the team actually a little bit before then. But uh, so they they brought in Bebe Noguera. Do you remember him? A hey, Bebe? M-
1: Lucas Noguera? Yes. Yeah.
0: His name is Bebe though. Is his it nickname. now? No, that I mean. Oh, that's, that's his nickname. That's okay. what everyone calls He's... him, Bebe.
1: Oh, all right. I just remember no, him. Everyone calls He's him Lucas. Lucas. What? I know That's he's Brazilian. I, mean. I should have recognized. Hey, baby. He's the new Nene. Uh,
0: it's <laughs> not the same.
1: <laughs> who was? Who uh, once upon a time was <laughs> Maybrenner Havario?
0: There's, there's. there's Cameron Payne, Cam Payne. You may remember him as the point guard that was traded to the Chicago Bulls and the Chicago Bulls worked him out and immediately their coaches were like, "Uh uh-oh, he's not an (laughs) NBA player. Oops. Uh, And then that literally that coach's evaluation, uh, I'm not making that up, that's a direct quote that then he leaked to uh the media the next day and so that was bad <laughs> that was a bad thing when the first week when you acquire a new player the the word is in the newspapers that oh this guy cannot make it at the nba level Another former first round pick uh, did not make it. Yeah, Justin Patton literally was drafted 16 two years ago. Number 16.
1: You liked him at the time. Uh,
0: 2017. Yeah, I mean, yep. I get why I liked he's him. He's
1: had he's had foot issues. That's his. he's
0: seven feet tall. He's like yeah. seven three wingspan. He was he he's was what a athletic Timberwolves AF. Pick? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then his foot exploded, and then it exploded again. Uh, it broke. To be clear, it was a broken foot. But that's really been, bad. It would have been been
1: You should not have clarified. It would have been more interesting for well, people to have the mental image of his foot literally. It is
0: important twice. for the Jazz's sake that he continues to have a foot, right? Like he could that be he the first feet, one-footed even. player in the NBA. I don't know that he could be. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I think I think having two feet is like pretty much a prerequisite to be good at basketball. Like Cer- at least certainly, NBA certainly helps with right? the like sneaker endorsement. well, I <laughs> does it? I don't know. I think nobody
1: it, nobody wants to be selling just one shoe.
0: I disagree. <laughs> I think there are profit <laughs> margins in that. Uh, you could sell like they sell two shoes for like hundred bucks. You could sell one shoe for seventy bucks.
1: Yeah, but I mean, how many people are going to be just looking to buy one shoe? Some
0: people. Uh, <laughs> I would also point out that wheelchair basketball is a thriving and successful uh, sport that that counts and matters.
1: Does it matter to them what shoes they're wearing?
0: Yes. Okay. You want no matter who you are, you want to look cool. Sure. Um, anyway, Justin Patton, I watched him shoot threes for like five straight minutes, yeah. uh, and he made about half of them, which is actually not very good. But uh, shows, like honestly, like if you go watch Derek Favors shoot wide open threes, he makes a little bit more than half of them. Yeah. So like he's not at the Derek yeah. Favors. Yeah. Like like in practice,
1: Rudy Gobert is making half of his. Yeah, maybe not shots. half.
0: He's Rudy might not be a little off. bit less than half. But not yeah, not off. that far off. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Justin Patton needs to work on that, but he actually did shoot threes in college, uh, and I think he shot, like, 15 of them and made eight of them or something like that, which is about half. Yeah. Um, so the, the, it's, I don't know how much uh, athleticism he has left. He may have lost it forever, but he's only 21 years old, so, uh, he might be a player one day. Um, he has played in four NBA games as a number 16 pick. Uh, and then, uh, oh, who's the oh, Perry Ellis is always fun, he's a, a long time uh guy who's been in the <laughs> NBA,
1: yeah. Uh, uh
0: oh, Thomas, Thomas Robinson, Robinson sorry, for, thank you.
1: former lottery pick out of former Kansas, former number four pick, right? Yeah, fourth With, overall, you're correct.
0: Uh, and, and Thomas Robinson certainly exists, uh, certainly he played for the <laughs> Lakers, <laughs> he right?
1: Yeah, he was, the, uh, he was the 15th man on the Lakers a Ooh. few years ago, which. Gives you an indication of where his has played
0: three hundred and thirteen NBA games as a number oh, number five pick. Sorry, in twenty twelve, okay, to the Sacramento Kings. Never get drafted by. I the was Kings right there kids. with
1: you. I thought I could have sworn it was fourth, but I'll yep. take
0: your word for it. No, that's that's what uh, the internet says, and the internet is always right. Yeah,
1: if you can trust anything in this world, it's definitely anything that's on the internet.
0: Uh, and then former stars Willie Reed, Tanner McGrew, Trishawn Fletcher, Isaac Haas all participate. Oh, Jarius Lyles as well. Yeah uh stanton kid played for the jazz summer league team last year there's a overseas guy named andre spalvin who's uh decent apparently i'm he might be a guy that they could in, uh, invite to summer league but there are like some possible s- fun summer league training camp uh salt lake city stars on this list yeah be... he, you you
1: okay. prefaced all of this by saying some fun names there's there was a literal fun name on there there's a guy on the there's a guy working out for the jazz named muhammad ali
0: Muhammad Ali Maham- Abdur-Rakman. Yeah, Muhammad Ali is his first name. Right, so, which is pretty uh, sweet. Yeah. I'm, Let me Google Muhammad Ali really quick. Co- oh, it's really hard to find things about him. Yeah. Uh, Muhammad Ali Abdur-Rakman. Let's do this really quick. <laughs> On the air. Oh, see, NBA. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he played for the Kenton Charge last year. Oh. 24 years old, 6'4", played for Michigan.
1: G League veteran. Uh,
0: yeah, what a an what a awesome...
1: All right, cool. <laughs> Andy clearly enamored with Muhammad Ali Abdul Rahman.
0: I just like okay. I I honestly follow the G League quite significantly, um and I have I haven't heard of him, so that's that's not a good sign for probably not for a, guy. a
1: good indication for his chances of making the Jazz. Then, um but maybe, maybe played him forty nine games the, this year. Maybe, maybe the I should
0: I should follow him more. He played off the bench though. Bench player in the G League. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Should we break down each one of these guys? So Probably he's
1: not. not quite Muhammad Ali esque in his talent.
0: Soon. Soon. <laughs> Started from the bottom. Now he's gonna be there at the top, I'm pointing out. <sighs> Alright, that's our that's our show. That went way too long anyway. But um over the next couple of weeks we'll talk more about the 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 More prospects that the Jazz bring in. Yep. Um, Talk about the remaining possibilities that, you know, they could very well draft someone who they don't work out, right? Like, that's certainly happened before. Yeah,
1: it's happened before. Um,
0: And so look at Dante Exum, for example. Uh, And, yeah, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the NBA draft. Any other news and notes that we hear about the Jazz, we'll let you know on the podcast and, of course, on the Salt Lake Tribune. Please subscribe, sltrib.com slash subscribe. Um, We're very cheap. We're yeah, we're still somewhere.
1: we're still doing subscriptions. You've probably have heard about this uh five oh one C three thing that we're going for.
0: Soon you'll be able to give us more than eight dollars We still
1: want. want people to subscribe, so yeah. please help us out. Yes. Doing great journalism covering the jazz.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh we appreciate it as always. But for now, Andy Larson, Eric Walden, signing out of the weekly run. Peace out, y'all.